Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. On Tuesday of this week, National News brought to light a college admissions scam, including a total of 50 people who were charged in the case. They were SAT and ACT administrators and exam proctors, coaches at elite schools, college administrators, and 33 different parents. The parents in this scam paid a middleman, William Rick Singer, the founder of the Edge College and Career Network in Newport Beach, California. The business's purpose is to help match students to colleges, but it was really a front for receiving bribe money paid by parents and ultimately provided through Singer to either college test administrators or elite college coaches. The bribes were laundered, appearing to be donations meant to help underprivileged kids go to college, but they were actually paid to college administrators and coaches to either let someone else take the test in the kid's place or to falsely recruit the student for a sport they never even played. U.S. Attorney Andrew Lelling says the parents' charges are a catalog of wealth and privilege. Parents paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, some as much as $6.5 million, to guarantee that their child got into schools such as Georgetown, Stanford, the University of Texas, the University of Southern California, UCLA, Wake Forest, and Yale. My daughters and I were shocked to see that actress Lori Laughlin and her fashion designer husband were both arrested in the case for paying $500,000 for their two daughters to be recruited by the crew team at the University of Southern California, even though neither daughter has ever competitively rowed. We love watching Lori Laughlin. We watch When Calls the Heart, and her on-screen character, Abigail, is so honest and wholesome. It's going to be difficult to view her in the same way again. Laughlin and her husband each had to pay $1 million, so a total of $2 million in bond money to be released after being arrested in this case. The investigation, we're told, continues because it's believed that other parents are involved in the scam. So upon hearing this crazy news, one wonders exactly what is it that motivated the parents involved? Is it that they wanted the best for their kids? Is it that they just felt like they couldn't bear to see their kids go anywhere except for the best of the best? Or were they worried about making their children forego the cream of the crop? Maybe they didn't want to hurt their kids' self-esteem or even allow their kids to know the truth about themselves, namely that they cannot actually earn their own way into an elite university. Or is it that the parents were concerned about their own image or their kid's image or the image of the family as a whole? An immediate take on this is the conviction and reminder to all of us parents that our kids are not our accessories. They are unique individuals created by God in His image for His purposes and His glory. They are not our handbags or our jewelry or our accomplishments to be paraded around to others as this sort of extension of ourselves. And how easy is it for any parent to fall into that way of thinking? I know I certainly have. We often think of our kids as sort of more of us, just an addition to us. So when they fail, we feel like we have failed. I remember feeling embarrassed, for example, when my infant couldn't sleep through the night and my friend's infants could, and and my newborn baby couldn't be consoled, but theirs could. Or we might feel like failures when, um, you know, on the first of many times, our toddlers 
defiantly disobey us in public. Every parent I know, including myself, has wanted to crawl under the table in a restaurant when their toddler has thrown a tantrum in public. It's a terrible feeling. Or how how about teenagers? I've got three of them now. What about when they get in trouble for cheating at school or drinking underage or being disrespectful to other adults? Or maybe when one comes home pregnant before they're married, or they move in with someone before they're married, or get into a committed relationship with someone that we think is beneath them. Or maybe they come out as homosexual, or being addicted to alcohol, or maybe even leaving the church. There are so many opportunities for you and me as parents to be tempted towards disappointment or embarrassment or shame, to believe that our kids are only a reflection of who we are or how well we parented or whether we did the right things or the wrong things. And you know, in this consumer age, our digital age where everything is online, it doesn't help. Now we all have social media, so we essentially are a brand. We each have like an impression to manage for others to see. We want people to think highly of us. So we put our best foot forward on social media. We post things just so. Our kids are a part of that. And so are our spouses or our homes or our careers, our accomplishments, even our churches and our own spiritual acts of worship. Everything can become a prop. That's not to say that every single social media post is an effort to brand yourself or every time we share news, it's to shape our own image or how others perceive us, but it gets messy, doesn't it? It absolutely does in my own heart. Parsing through our motives can be really tough. I think the words of church father Augustine of Hippo are exceptionally poignant for us right now. It's amazing to think that he penned them in the 300s and they still pack a punch today in 2019. In his famous confessions, Augustine said to God, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. In other words, he said, you and I are going to be restless until we find rest in God. We will look for for fulfillment from our jobs, our families, our kids, our accomplishments, our money, our retirement accounts, our success, our cars, our clothes, whatever, if we don't find fulfillment in God. And we will strive for fulfillment and identity in these things. We will work hard for it. So for example, apparently the parents in this college admission scam were so committed to their kid's image or their image or their family's image of academic and athletic success that they were willing to buy it. And those who took the bribes were so committed to material gain that they were willing to swap their integrity for it. Pastor and author Tim Keller says in his book, Counterfeit Gods, when anything in life is an absolute requirement for your happiness and self-worth, it is essentially an idol, something you are actually worshiping. So let's ask ourselves, what are the absolutes in our lives? What are the things we feel like we must absolutely have in order to have self-worth or to make up our own identity? There's other recent headlines that point out other examples of the rich and famous striving for paying for things that prop up their self-worth. There's a popular author who has recently been accused of plagiarizing significant portions of her best-selling book. There's a popular actor who has recently been accused of staging a hate crime against himself, paying others to attack him to make it look like he was the victim of a violent attack of racism and homophobia. 
Now, these are extreme cases, but they exemplify the human heart's willingness to pursue our image, our brand, our accomplishments at any cost. Now, whether it's entitlement or greed or whatever, it's the fraudulent pursuit to manufacture success at a great cost. The irony is that we strive and strive to build up whatever it is we think we need to be happy. We worship these things, our families, our careers, our bodies, whatever. And then these things fail because they cannot bear up under the expectations that we place on them. They cannot deliver the fulfillment, the salvation that we're looking for. They actually will blow up and we're all susceptible to it. Stories of famous people are easy to mock because they seem so out of our league, like something you and I would never do, but we're prone to it as well. So how can we renew our minds? Let's return again to Augustine's quote, God has made us for himself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in him. If our identity is not first and firmly rooted in our creator, we will be restless. We will depend on things like a bestseller or even our own victimization or our kids' acceptance to an elite college to provide us with our worth and our value. And we will go to great lengths to get those things to happen because we think our worth depends on them. But here is what is true. Our worth and our value is embedded in our very nature. We were created on purpose by the God of the universe for a purpose, and that is to bring him glory and honor. Every human being is immensely valuable. Every life, no matter what age or ethnicity or socioeconomic level or age or ability, or even how wanted the life is, whether wanted or unwanted, healthy or sick, successful in the world's eyes or seen by others as a throwaway. Every single life has a measurable value because every single life was made by God and for God. Because we were made by him, it's only in him that we will find true joy, true satisfaction, true rest. Jesus says in John chapter six, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Psalm 107 says that God satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. When we finally come to the end of ourselves, when you and I realize that we are endlessly striving after things and people and accomplishments that we hope will make us feel worthwhile, but they're not delivering, they're not giving us what we thought they would, when we surrender and when we believe that God is enough, then we find rest. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. His burden is light because it's in him that our strivings can finally cease. We no longer have to try harder and do more to be accepted. It is finished, he said on the cross. Our sins have been paid for. We are redeemed. We are reconciled to our maker and we finally have true peace with God. There's nothing in this world that will satisfy the way he does. My prayer for you and for me is that we would remember this when we begin to strive, when we begin to seek after our worth and our accomplishments, when we get on the hamster wheel of this world and think we have something to prove or to maintain or something that we're entitled to. 
My prayer is that we would rest in the merciful person and finished work of Christ. He is enough. Because that is what frees us to love our kids or to pursue our dreams and callings or to enjoy our families or our careers or our circumstances without demanding that they deliver our meaning and our worth. The gospel frees us. We don't have to bribe anyone or cheat or take shortcuts or manipulate others' impressions of us. We can rest instead in God. And that rest is good and everlasting, and it will never, ever fail. Thanks for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. This is still a new podcast, and I so appreciate you listening. If you like what you've heard, please leave a review at iTunes and recommend this to your friends. Talk to you next week.